We are in the uh, second week of a series together on, on, on the values of the Light Church. And um, if you don't know what I'm talking about, there's a couple things that I, I want to refer you to. One is um, in the zine, it's, it's recently been updated to include um, those values outlined in the middle. And, uh, you know, if you have 20 minutes to carve out, you can read those. Or you could pick a value a week and read through it. I, Brevity is not our strong suit, and I might have wrote the, the values out, um, but I had help writing them out initially, so it wasn't all me to blame. Um, but check that out, read that, um, and even if you're not new with us, you can have a zine. I give you permission for that. We can always print more. Um, so take one, actually. I encourage you all. The other thing is, um, if you weren't here for our intro message last week, I want to invite you to check out that on the website at thelight.org. It's kind of the starting point introduction for this, uh, why we're talking about values, and the first one of those, which is um, this this idea of a growing family. And um, I said this last week, and this is going to continue as we go through this series. Um, we are, um, in general, we're looking at three pieces as it relates to the core values that God has um, really used to shape this this family. Um, and, and with that, we're looking at first why these things matter to God. And uh, if they don't matter to God, then uh, I'm not sure that they should be, well, I I am sure that they shouldn't be the things that uh, are driving us. And so first we need an understanding of why they matter to God. And because they matter to God, um, we want them to matter to us as well. And and so the second part of that is why they matter to us. And and, and sort of looking at uniquely what is the... um, the way, lastly, the way that those values are working out in our midst and how we can cultivate them together as a family. So um, I, I am excited about this time because I really believe that from it, God is going to allow us to step into a greater place of unity together. You see, Jesus' prayer is that we would be united and um, not just us here in this room as the light church, but as the family of God. But, um, you know, if we can't be united here first, then I don't know there's much hope for us being connected to the body of Christ as a whole. And so I believe that, um, you know, we come into this place with a lot of different things that we care about, a lot of different things that we're motivated and driven by. And if if nothing else, I hope that we at least get an understanding of what are the things that drive us as a church first and foremost, and so that we can even see how we can go there together. Um, so I believe that unity is going to be one of the main uh, fruit of this time together, and, and hopefully as well clarity, maybe for you in terms of um, maybe some a way that we've, we've done something or related in, in this church family that was confusing to you or you didn't quite understand, was new or different for you, and you're like, why do we do things like that? Maybe it'll be able to connect the dots as a result of this. Um, so last week we talked about growing family and, and that this, this amazing idea of God that we would be called the family, his family, the family of God. And that's his idea for us. Um, it's actually who we are first and foremost as we enter into the kingdom of God. We come in as family now, adopted by a loving father um, who wants to reveal to us what it's like to know him and what it's like to live in this relationship dynamic of family. So it's this incredible um, defining of relationship. What is the nature of relationship in the, the, the kingdom of God, and it's one of family. And I think it's one that we either 
overlook or we take for granted of. Uh, we take for granted. We may not um, really understand the significance of this, but in fact, I believe God's heart is that we would know who we are to him and in that we would know who we are to each other and who we are ultimately to the world. And so I would encourage you to listen to that message on what it means to be a growing family. Um, tonight, we're going to talk about um, uh, a value that I believe builds off of that. And really, the growing family, that understanding, the understanding of what it means to be the family of God, it is the core of core values. And it's the one that all of these others build off of. And if we don't um, begin to understand that first one, I'm not sure these other ones are really going to make sense or we're going to live them out in the way that they're meant to be. So um, we are striving together, driven together to, to be the family of God and to realize what that means. And God is driven on our behalf for us to discover. And it's core to the gospel. Um, tonight, we're going to build off of that understanding of what it means to be a family, talking about this value of choosing authenticity. Choosing authenticity. So if you're taking notes or you don't write down anything else, but you want to write down one thing to feel good about um, the fact that you don't take notes very well, write that down. Choosing authenticity. On a side note, my teachers in, in school used to always get upset at me because I was a terrible note taker. I didn't retain information that way. So I would decide to sit there and listen because actually listening is the best way for me to retain information, and I would occasionally draw, which really got me in trouble. But something about sitting there and not taking notes really offended my teachers. You can just feel free to sit and listen tonight. If you're a note taker, then take notes. Some of you have that gift. Um, Michelle Norton, yes. (laughs) You have that gift. (laughs) You do. (laughs) I'm just saying. I'm not the first one to say that. Uh, I affirm that gift in you. All right. Um, Choosing authenticity. What does that mean for us? Um, you know, if there's one place you should be able to be uh, real, um, open, honest, it should be in the family of God. But um, I, I'm not um, naive enough to know that that is um, always the case. In fact, I believe that, unfortunately, um, we often feel like the church is the one place where we can't be ourselves. And, and so that's why I actually believe that the call to choose authenticity, to pursue it, to come into agreement with God that it's this good thing um, is, is um, core to who we are here. See, because actually um, it's, it's this call to really believe the gospel for what it is. And if we believe the gospel for what it is, then we will, um, we will endeavor in the risky but rewarding pursuit of, of authenticity. Um, and so I believe that if we're going to be the church that God um, desires for us to be, then we're going to have to throw off all this religious baggage that says you have to act a certain way, you have to be a certain way, that you, um, you can't show people who you really are because if you do, they'll run. Those are lies. Let's just clear that up right now. Those are lies from the enemy. And he's been speaking those lies since the very beginning. And that's where I want to start. I want to go to Genesis real quickly, okay? Um, there's a lot spelled out for us in Genesis. Um, a lot spelled out to us about what God is like. A lot spelled out to us about what he designed and desired for us. Um, and a lot spelled out about what happened when um, we chose to not 
stay in agreement with God's plan and desire. Um, that's also known as the fall. Um, turn with me to Genesis 3 real, real quick. I just want to read one part of this and um, to set the stage for it. Um, God has given, um, has created out of the overflow of um, family. Okay, we talked about that last week. And in his creation, central to his creation was humanity. And he created humanity with something distinct and unique. It was his image in them. Um, he made humanity like them and uh, like him and, and made humanity with a purpose that was sharing in his purpose. And, um, and uh, he gave humanity some uh, basic instructions for that as well. Um, and, and you guys are probably familiar with the story. I want to hone in on one specific part of it, okay? Uh, this is the moment where um, the, the enemy has come in, um, the serpent, and he, he feeds this initial lie, which is a question that sheds doubt on the goodness of God, ultimately. He says, did God really say this? And underneath that was this, um, this implication of God's withholding something from you. And so um, there's this debate between Adam and Eve and the serpent, which it's never a good idea to debate with the enemy. The best thing is just to ignore him because that's actually um, the attention he's due. Ignore him. (laughs) He actually wants you to pay attention to him. So just so you know, just ignore the enemy. It actually says um, resist the enemy. That means ignore him. And and submit to God and he will flee. That's in James, okay? So a good idea to... To not have conversation, dialogue with the enemy. Don't argue with him because everything he's going to say is, is not true. Um, so they, they get into dialogue with him and it wasn't a good idea. And um, at the end of it, they said, you know, maybe what you say is true. And they come into agreement with it and they choose to eat the fruit. And it says this in verse 7. It says she, she gave some to her husband, and, and so they both ate of this. And then in verse 7, it says, Then the eyes of both of them were opened. Their eyes were open, And what did they see? They realized they were naked. Their eyes were open, and they saw their nakedness. And as a result of that, they sewed fig leaves together and made coverings for themselves. They, they, their eyes were open, and they saw who they were. And their response was, we have to hide. Their eyes were open, but not in an enlightening way. Their eyes were open in a way that something came in that they saw for the first time because of the lie they believed. There was something that changed in that moment when they ate of the fruit. They, they wanted to hide. For the first time, they wanted to hide. Their eyes were open, and they saw themselves as naked. And so they did hide in the way, only way that they knew how. They, they took um, some fig leaves, and they sewed them together, and they made coverings for themselves. Who were they hiding from? Each other? The animals? I don't know. <laughs> Ultimately, God. And this is what it says. It says, And the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord as he was walking in the garden in the cool of day. I wonder what that sounded like. And they hid from the Lord God among the trees of the garden. But the Lord God called to man, Where are you? 
I love the words of God there. I'm sure they didn't love it in that moment. But if they knew who he really was, if they had known his goodness and not doubted it, they wouldn't have known that these words here, God speaking to them, it was the words of a loving father looking for his children. Where are you? He didn't say, how could you? He didn't say, how dare you? He said, where are you? And he answered, I heard you in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked, so I hid. So here's the first moment where fear is driving how we live. Fear. He was naked. They were naked, and they were ashamed, and fear came in, and so they hid. I just want to say, you weren't created to hide. Adam and Eve were not created to hide. Adam and Eve were not created for fear. You were not created for fear. You were not created to live driven by fear into hiding. But unfortunately, that's what happened when sin entered the picture. That's what happened when Adam and Eve felt this separation in their spirit from the one that had created them with a very specific and unique purpose. So they hid. When we talk about authenticity, the enemy authenticity is shame, fear, guilt, condemnation. All of these things will keep you from living as you're truly meant to live. All of these things will drive you into hiding. But none of those things are from God. None of those things were meant to be center of how you live. None of those things were meant to be motivators in your life. I want you to know none of those things can motivate you to, um, to live the way you were called to live. So I want you to know that none of those things are of God. Because they don't restore who you were created to be. Guilt, shame, condemnation, fear, hiding. They don't restore who you were created to be. In this moment, they did not restore. They didn't fix the problem. Are you with me? So this thing, authenticity, what is it? Um, I was thinking about the term and uh, how to best describe it. And um, actually, um, there's this little thing down here on the bottom of the slides. I don't know if you've noticed it. We got a new computer and... I don't know if, if you can show us that, um, John. It says, this copy of Windows is not genuine. <laughs> First, I just want to clear that up for you all so you know that we're not pirating software, all right? Um, we, we bought this computer <laughs> refurbished, and for whatever reason, when we, we, we started, you know, went to project the slides, it said that, so... I don't know why it's not a genuine version of Windows because it's supposed to be. We're trying to get that figured out. We got the um, code of authenticity on the back to prove it, okay? Um, So authenticity, what is it? Um, I believe it's, it's the genuine version of something. It's the genuine version of something. So when we say we're pursuing authenticity, we're choosing authenticity as a family, what we're saying is we want the truth revealed. We want the 
the accurate version of our lives to be revealed. That's authenticity. Now, as I say that, I realize that might sound a little scary to you. See, I I think it's significant for us to acknowledge that to choose authenticity, um, one, we use the word choose because it doesn't just happen. It doesn't just happen. I think actually the inclination, the effects of the fall were that um, we often very easily choose hiding. Hiding is, is typically what just happens. It's, it's the first response. First response to hide so that people won't see the truth. So when we say choosing authenticity, what we're saying is actually it's, it's deciding this is what's best. This is what's necessary. This is something good and right and true. And so I choose it. I choose to live in it. Um, so like I said, that's a risky endeavor. So how do we, how do we go there? How do we get there? I want to I read a passage, and hopefully it, it, it doesn't feel out of place here. Um, This was meant to be the main passage tonight. It's in um, Ephesians. Okay, so if you want to go there. um, Ephesians, the whole book, actually. No, just kidding. Um, I believe it's, well, if I can find it, then I'll tell you. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. There it is, Ephesians. Okay, it's in Ephesians 5. Um, you know, we call ourselves the light church. Maybe you wondered what that, what that means. Um, I think the light church means that um, our lives are informed by God's light, letting his light shine and reveal the truth. And our lives are informed by that. And then our lives, not only informed by it, but our lives become that as well. And this is where that comes from, in case you're wondering. Um, It's in Ephesians 5, and this is what it says in verse 8. I love this. We need this reminder of what we were made for. It says, for you were once, you were once darkness. That's interesting. It doesn't say you were once in darkness. It says you were once darkness darkness like there wasn't anything else but now you are light in the lord not not like floating but light <laughs> live as children of light children of light part of a family of light okay Verse 9, for the fruit of the light consists in all goodness, righteousness, and truth. That's what light produces. It reveals truth, righteousness, goodness. And in this, find out what pleases the Lord. I, I think that's a wonderful picture of what the light does. It helps us see what God is after, what God desires, what his will is. We can't know that apart from the Holy Spirit helping us to see it, shedding light on what pleases the Lord. That's what you were called for. You weren't called to just just, um, be free of darkness. 
You were called to live as light and in that to know what pleases God. You weren't called to just to abstain for some things that God said you shouldn't do. You were called to know what God delights in so that you can affirm it in your life. That's awesome. Yeah, one of you thinks so, all right? (laughs) I know you guys are thinking it deep down. You want to cheer? Well, you can. All right. And find out what pleases the Lord. Here's what it says next. Have nothing to do with the fruitless deeds of darkness, but rather expose them. That's what the light does. That's what the light does. It exposes darkness. It is shameful even to mention what the disobedient do in secret, but everything exposed by the light becomes visible, and everything that is illuminated becomes a light. So you see what happens? If God's light shines on you, then you will become a light. It's just like what happened with Moses. When, when he was in the presence of God, he left like a light bulb. He walked down the mountain glowing. That's supposed to be our lives now. We're supposed to glow with the glory of God to the point where we don't need to put a veil on our face. Do you realize that? He hid at a certain point. Why? Because at first it was they couldn't stand the glory of God. Okay, so he was like, he was looking out for them. I love you guys. My face is really bright right now. So I'm going to wear this little veil like I'm headed to a wedding. Uh, And then after a while, something changed. It wasn't about them anymore. It was about him. I'm getting this right now. This is cool. It wasn't about them. It was about him. Why? Because all of a sudden he got self-conscious. He said, I don't want the people to see that my face isn't shining as bright as it did yesterday. So I'm going to put a veil on it. I'm going to hide from them so that they won't know what it's really like. That was good. (laughs) Amen, Jesus. I love it when you show up and you just do the preaching. That right there is what we're battling against. That's what I fight against every day. That's what we fight against as a community. The belief in a lie that would say, you know what, people don't want to see what really is because if they see what really is, they won't accept you anymore. That's not what it's like to be in the family of God. You're accepted in the beloved. End story. You're accepted in Jesus. You're his. That's it. You've been adopted into a family. You can't be unadopted. Not, at least not in this family. I don't know if that's even a thing. But in this family, you definitely cannot be unadopted. Wow. All right, well, we got to Moses. We're moving backwards, not forwards. <laughs> um, all right. So, when it comes to authenticity... It's risky, it's scary, but it's what we were made for. It's what we were made for. Not just authenticity, but something deeper. And this is, this is what I want to say. Um, if we're going to choose authenticity, it means we need to know, um, actually, the deeper purpose of authenticity. Because it's not just choosing authenticity. I know it's this, like, buzzword these days, like, yeah, be, to be real. It's not just about being real. It's not about just blurting out all your mess to whoever. That's not, I, I don't even know if that's really what authenticity is. 
at least in the family of God, authenticity, authenticity serves a purpose. It's not the end in and of itself. We're choosing authenticity because as we choose for the truth to be revealed, as we choose to be seen, I love this, um, this um, description right here in verse 13, but everything exposed by the light becomes visible. Authenticity leads to visibility. It, allow, it allows your life to be seen, which is actually a good thing. One, first, foremost, knowing you can't hide from God. That's not bad news. That's good news. As a, as a kid growing up, when they told me that, I freaked out. Oh, crap. I can't hide from God. I'm going to try my best, you know. Maybe there's a few hiding spots he hasn't found yet. You can't hide from God. That's good news. God wants to know you because he made you for a purpose. So, would you let him? Authenticity allows you to be visible. Visibility allows you to be known. You were created to be known. You were created to be known first by the one that made you. God wants to know you. The heart of Jesus to those who are doing all the stuff that they thought he wanted them to do. They said, we did all these things in your name. He looked at him and he said, but I never knew you. God wants to know you. He doesn't want you here playing the part, doing all the stuff. He wants to know you. Authenticity will lead to your life being visible before God. It's an invitation for him to know you. And in the same vein, it's an invitation for the people in this room, people in this community to know you. And to love you. God wants to know you so that he can love you. So that you can know his love. He's not wanting to know you so that he can expose you for the fraud that you are. No. That's what the enemy would say. If he knew you, then he's going to expose you. Guess what? We're called to expose the lie. And in doing so, to get what God is really after, which is freedom. God's not after exposing you. He's after freeing you. It's good news. That's the gospel. See, God knew where you were. He knew all of it, past, present, future. And in that place, he looked at you and he said, I want you. I choose you. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Not because we were so terrible, because in him he was going to recover what we were made for. Do you believe that? So our hiding, all it does is it, it slows down that process by which God is actually wanting us to know him and be known by him. And in that, to know each other and to be a part of this together, to be the family of God that says, you know what? We don't have to hide anymore. And it's okay to know each other. It's safe here. 
that's the thing about family. I mean, there's not a lot that escapes family. <laughs> like, family is, like, supposed to be the one place where you can be yourself, you know? Burp at the table kind of thing. Maybe, maybe you weren't allowed to do that. We weren't either. Oh. That's what family is supposed to be. And so, actually, in this, there's a risk here, and we acknowledge the risk. But we're saying we're choosing it anyway. And you can trust us that you can be who you are. You can be open and authentic and visible here. And we're not going to judge you for it. We're going to love you because that's what God has done for each of us. And that's what God is doing in our midst. Are you with me? So I hope you hear the freedom that's in this place. It's from God. It's his permission. It's his invitation. And we're just coming in agreement with it. All right, I'm not going to ramble any longer, at least. Um, So how can we do that? How can we do that together? You know, this this word that says, um, we don't have anything to do with the fruitless deeds of darkness, but rather um, we're called to expose them, you know? You know where that starts? That starts with your life. That starts with our life. It's not this thing like, look at the darkness over there. What is your problem? (laughs) Come here. Let me pray for you. That's not what it is. Okay? Just in case you're wondering. I'm glad we cleared that up. It actually starts with yourself. It says, God, you know what? Whatever lie I've been believing, whatever thing I've, I've been living that's below the truth of who I am in you, would you, uh, in your grace, expose that? Would you show me first why it's a lie and why it's not good for me and why it's less than who I am in you and why I shouldn't live it in the first place? Because usually that's what happens when we sin. We've believed the lie of, of going back to living something lesser than who we are now in God. We've forgotten who we are. And so we live differently than what God's called us to, what he's made available. That's, I believe that's at the core of our sin. Um, So, exposing darkness. It starts in our lives. And I think it starts with actually saying, God, would you show me? Would you show me what, like like David said, he said, um, God, search my heart and know me. See if there's anything in me that's not of you. And lead me. Lead me into the way everlasting. Lead me into your delight, your good pleasure, where you're going. That, that's a good prayer to pray. And God in his tender mercy, if you hear a voice of accusation, it's not God. And most likely you may be already hearing it. But when you invite God to reveal, to shed light on, expose the darkness, God will do that in grace and mercy and tender love. He will do it to restore, not to separate. And we have a part to play in that. Choosing authenticity means as God reveals those things, you say, you know what? This isn't who I am, and I don't want to associate it with anymore. In fact, I'm going to expose it. And in exposing it, you break the power of that lie in your life. Do you realize that? When you shed light, On it, you reveal the truth and you break the power of the lie in your life. That's the power of confession. That's the power of just being honest about where we're at. All of a sudden, we break down the lie of having to maintain something that's not true. 
There's freedom in that. So I encourage you to choose that, to let God in his grace show you that this is good. Risky, but good. And to pursue it. How do you pursue it? I believe it means that you open up your life to the people around you. You, you find somebody that you, you can trust, and there's plenty of those people here, and you just say, this is where I'm really at. This is where I'm really at. And you let God begin to mend through that. It also means that together, as a family, in public, and in this place, that we continue to model that. That we continue to be honest and open with each other in this place. And we just, we affirm that we don't have it all together. But we are loved. And we are called and we are chosen. And we're beginning to see what that means, what it looks like. So we're going to do that together as a family. And and when we do that together as a family, sometimes it can have a ripple effect. Um, The last thing is when when, um, someone comes to you, and if you model that with your own life, you're creating an invitation for someone to come to you and to say, hey, this is where I'm at. Thank you for sharing where you're at. Or because you shared where you're at, I can feel like I can trust you now to share where I'm at. So when you model it, you actually create an invitation for someone else to, um, to share with you. And the last thing is when, when, when people do come and share and, and, and maybe just um, express what maybe they've never shared with anyone else, say thank you. Listen, just listen. And say thank you, thank you for sharing that. And just love them. Are you with me? There's incredible power in that. Not trying to figure out, okay, well, how can we solve this problem in your life? Just love them and thank them for having the courage to share that. Thank them for having the faith to trust that God, as he's revealing the truth, is bringing freedom. All right, I want to pray tonight, and um, man, I, I know God is in this word because he loves us so much, and he longs for us to know him better, and right now, I just, I just really believe there's grace for that tonight. Sorry, I don't know why I'm doing this while I'm talking, but I did, um, and so I want to pray for that. I just want to pray that... Um, you know, God's grace is, is more than just, um, in fact, I'm not sure it's what we think it is a lot of times. It's not just covering our sin. It's not hiding sin. Um, see, because then God will be doing what we do a lot of times with sin. Grace, I believe, actually is um, one that he's dealt with the sin. And two, because he's dealt with the sin, in his grace, he's enabling us to live differently. I believe part of God's grace in our lives is actually, um, it's, God's, uh, it's God enabling us to live as he's called us to. It's not actually enabling us to live um, in darkness. It's God enabling us to live the life that he's called us to. His grace is that enabling agent in our life. I believe God's grace is really strong tonight. 
not, not because we're doing something special, but I believe that we're, we're getting a picture really clear tonight of what the gospel is. And so I want to pray God's grace in your life that it would bear fruit in, in a way that maybe it hasn't ever before, that, that you would be free tonight in a way maybe that you've never been before, that you would hear God's permission so clearly tonight and the permission of this church to be seen and to be known. Let's pray.